The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 13, verses 22 through 30, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1621. Luke records, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. And once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. And then you will say, Well, we, we ate and, and drank with you. You taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. And there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. And when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus. And as always, I pray for you and for myself that the Lord would give us a heart that was in tune with God, a leishomea, that's the prayer that Solomon gave to the Lord what he asked for when the Lord says, name it and I'll give it to you. He asked not for wealth or, as you recall, not for power or not for his enemies to be destroyed. He asked for a leishomea, heart in tune with God, a heart with eyes and ears to see and hear, to gain the wisdom that God would have him. That's my prayer for you and for me every day and for right now. In the beginning of our readings, we had a letter to the Hebrews, and there is an exhortation there. In fact, if we go a little bit further back, Hebrews this morning started on uh, chapter 12, verses 4, but last week we had verse 1, and it was a, a, a wonderful uh, exhortation that said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run 
with endurance the race that has been set before us, looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, my faith, your faith, Jesus. And Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured that cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Beautiful. We run the race that's already been won for us by what Christ did on that cross, but yet we still run with endurance. There will be obstacles. We know that. And everyone that's here has had obstacles. We know that. But we're being cheered on by a cloud of witnesses. Those that have gone before us and those that are around us. And especially Jesus who encourages us, who sustains us, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Further in today's readings, there is a warning in Hebrews 12, 17, and it it brings us to remember Esau. You know what Esau did for a single meal. He was hungry. And what did he give up? His birthright. And you know that afterward, after he had eaten his meal, he desired to have his blessing given to him by his father. But he was rejected. And he found no chance to repent, even though he sought that blessing with tears. He sought to repent with tears. It was too late. Now, let us be careful not to confound or convolute this with what the world might say Membership has its privileges. You've heard that before. Some of you are members of different clubs, if you will. Those that travel a lot, they have clubs that you can go and sit and relax in kind of a private area, a lounge, if you will, and rather than hang out with the rest of the cattle that are about to get on that plane with you. We have... Uh, Memberships that are available to some and, and not to others, right? That's a membership is not much if it's not exclusive. And the nature of the exclusive exclusivity, I knew I wasn't going to be able to say that. The nature of the exclusivity remains in the hands of those who rule over the members, doesn't it? They make the rules. And you follow it. One example are country clubs. When I was a little boy growing up in the San Francisco East Bay area in a little town that used to be agriculture and uh, the main, there were cattle there, but mostly it was orchards. And they cleared out a bunch of orchards and my golly, they put in a golf course. The Moraga Country Club, nine hole executive course. Open for members. My friends and I would ride our bikes down there when we were about 11 with our clubs, about three miles, and we would park our bikes 
and we would walk onto the first tee, and we'd tee them up, and we'd crush our drives, and we'd walk down like we owned the place. Found out that if you walked with your head high enough and, and confident enough, you can get away with a lot of stuff. You really can. And, and um, yeah, you know, not a good pastor, but a pastor with a past. And that went great until the day that I showed up with a brand new set of woods. And back in those days, woods were really woods, and these were something. And I get up there, and I hit a drive, and we all of a sudden hear a speaker that wasn't there before. They put a speaker right by the tee, and it said, Gentlemen, what is your membership number? Uh-oh. So with my fast thinking, I said, my membership number is, thank you, and walked off. We got about 50 yards, and the cart caught up with us, and he said, you guys aren't members, are you? And we said, no, we're not. He goes, all right, about face, go. Don't come back ever again. We didn't get to have our tee shots back, and we were a little bit weepy. And uh, we were a little bit gnashing our teeth because we felt that we had been unfairly excluded, that we didn't belong. Got another story of similar to that is a friend of mine grew up in um, Massachusetts. And he told a story about he and his brother, his family belonged to... Um, the Eagles Lodge, or it may have been Moose, I don't know, but it was one of those. And apparently at the Lodge, there was a lunch that was really, really good that was available to members. The, you know, the food was excellent, it was very, very popular, and the beer was really, really cold. And there was a bartender there, and his name was Earl. And Earl was well-liked, but Earl was tough as nails. If he liked you, you knew it. If he didn't, you knew that as well. He had a sharp tongue. And Earl wore a belt, a big belt with a big buckle in the front. And in the back was stamped a name. Earl's name on the back of his belt was Johnny. So if Earl had his back to the bar and he was doing something and somebody came up and said, hey, Johnny, how about a beer? Earl would turn around and go, are you a member? We're in Boston area. Are you a member? You're not a member. Get out of here. Only there was some beep, 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 you know, along with that. Johnny. So no, they, they were not members and they were booted out and there was probably some tears and some gnashing of teeth. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Our gospel message, according to Luke, has us observing the dialogue between Jesus as he is working his way down to Jerusalem to perform his exodus for you and for me upon that cross. And he's asked the question, are Excuse me. Are only a few going to be saved? And he answers in a in a way 
that for us to hear uh, makes not a lot of sense because we, we aren't Hebrew and we weren't there and we didn't grow up in the culture where we understood the Old Testament, you know, all the way through. And, and so it was the narrow gate and we think, okay, I don't know, maybe like a cattle chute or what are you, what are you talking, we, we put all these different things. But the hearers of the time understood what the narrow gate was. And, and in fact, um, he says to strive to get through the narrow gate. And um, the striving in there is, is actual exertion. It's like a, a physical event. It's, it's, it's like wrestling with it. It's, it's not just a casual, oh, well, I'll just walk through here. It's, it's, it's effort to get through it. And for those of you that would like to look over uh, the Old Testament scripture that, 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 that backs up this uh, uh, gospel that, that Luke is showing us today, I would direct you to Isaiah 25, Isaiah 25 chapters five, or excuse me, six through nine. And there is a visual that, that Jesus gives to us after he tells them about coming through the narrow gate. The visual that he gives us, uh, it harkens to Isaiah, and it's the visual of, of God who has a conquest. His, he has taken death out of the world. He's, he's conquered death. And so it is, a, it is a, a, a vision of the end times, but the, the culmination of all times so that God is having this feast with all of his nations. All peoples are gathered, including the Gentiles, and they're enjoying fellowship with God. It's a banquet prepared for his people in the presence of his enemies. You've heard that before. Thou preparest a meal for me in the presence of my enemies. And Jesus further says that at some point in time, the banquet host, the, the homeowner, is going to see that all of his guests have arrived. And at some point, he is going to get up, the master will get up and he'll close the doors. And those that are in are in. And those that are out are out. Period. And further, Jesus says, some will knock. And they'll say, let me in. And the master will say, I don't know you. I don't have a relation with you. You see, when we read, I don't know you, it's not a physical knowing it is a relational knowing. Uh, uh, the, the, the Hebrew word is, is a, a word that, that implies intimacy. Um, a lot of times they will compare that word and that knowing of a man and a woman or a husband and a wife, that kind of knowing, an intimate knowledge of. He doesn't know you. These people are saying, yeah, you do. You know me. We shared a meal once, or I was at your lecture they're protesting, knocking on the door, let me in. No, 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 you know me. I even, after one of your sermons, 
And again, he will say, depart from me, you evildoers. That kind of hurts to hear, doesn't it? Some aren't coming. Some are going to be locked outside. And then we hear him say that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You've read that before. What does that put in your eyes? You think they're weeping like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Gnashing of teeth. I never knew, you know, what does gnashing of teeth really mean? I mean, for whatever reason, I'm thinking of grinding teeth, and I know that's bad, and you have to get your things built up. But the weeping and the gnashing of teeth that he is describing is rage. It's weeping, but they're tears of rage. I don't care if I'm not a member. I'm a Jew. Not a Gentile. I belong in there. That's what he was pointing out to them. He's also quoting partially from Psalm 6. And there's another one for you to look up for you Bible scholars, but you'll be able to see the comparison in Psalm 6. In the Psalm 6, the prayer is, is that the Lord sees my suffering and my tears, and the Lord has compassion on that prayer. But in contrast, what we see here is that the Lord's not going to have compassion. He goes, oh, you're right. Come on in. He didn't do that. The evildoers are not lamenting, as I said. They are enraged because they cannot enter the banquet. They are weeping and they are gnashing their teeth. Why? Well, because they see somehow there's a window. They'll see it. They'll see Isaac. They'll see Abraham. They'll see Jacob. All the patriarchs and all the prophets are going to be in this banquet, and they're locked out. They're on the outside looking in. They've just been told, depart from me, you evildoers. I don't know you. And not only that, they will be seeing all from the west and the east and the north and the south the Gentiles that are at a banquet with God. And they're locked out. Jesus is telling that to those that would soon pin him to that cross under trumped up charges. So, are you a member? Yeah, you are a member. It wasn't because you paid anything for it. In fact, he paid it for you. Are you a member? Are you invited to the feast? Yes, through Christ and him crucified, you have been adopted into the family. You've heard it different ways. You've been grafted onto the vine. You've been given the power to be called the children of God. Not because of you, 
Because of him, you are a member. Through your baptism, you've been made new. You've been clothed in Christ. We know the, the parable that he tells about the person that is in a wedding and the master of the, of, the, of the wedding comes and he sees him. He goes, why aren't you in your clothing? In the wedding gown, in, the, in, in what was provided for you, why aren't you? You need to leave. You have been clothed in Christ. You are in. You are a member. And you're invited to the feast. Today, as we enjoy and receive his body and his blood in the sacrament of the altar, we receive a foretaste of the feast to come. His body given, his blood shed for you. It assures you have a place at the banquet table. Are you a member? Yeah. You're a member. You know the king. You know the one who sent and came and gave you that invite. And at the risk of commingling <clears throat> works <laughs> with this, we are being served and have been served by God, correct? I mean, what did we do for our membership? We were given it, right? He came to serve. And you already are in. And though you're not at the banquet with him right now, that is a promise that is coming. In the meanwhile, what do we do? Having this knowledge, knowing that we are saved, knowing that we are children of the living God, what can we do? Well, we can come and worship him. We can tell others about him. We can share the gospel and the good news as to why we have hope. Why when we run into obstacles, we still have hope. We can describe to them about the cloud of witnesses that help us along this race of endurance that we are in. We can encourage those that are running the race with us. In other words, we can be his church here on earth until he calls us home. Let's do that with endurance. In the name of Jesus, amen.